Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to this weekly Torah study from New Beginnings Church in Bedford, Texas, taught by Pastor Scott Sigmund. We pray this message will help you better understand how God's Old Testament wisdom and New Testament revelation are meant to jointly fit together. At the end of a year, we typically look back on things that we have accomplished or things that we have survived, and all God's people said amen, (laughs) and we get ready for the coming year. I'm excited for 2022. I believe it's going to be a much better year than what we have had for the last three or four. And yes, God's people said amen. But we have a responsibility as we move into a new year. So this morning we're going to be looking at time from a Jewish perspective and looking at goal setting from a godly perspective and then some tips about, okay, how can I do this? Now the average age in this class is not somebody that's in high school or college. It's someone who's seen a few years, someone who's been through some stuff, someone who probably has had years in the past where you had a number of goals that you achieved. And then there comes a season where we kind of step back and we don't seem to engage as much as we used to. Oh, we pray. We pray and we serve and we do the things in our community but we don't always kickstart a new year with a lot of personal goals. So today we're going to look at time from God's perspective and then what we might choose to do in 2022 to make sure that the end of next year we have a few more check marks on our list of things that we accomplished. Let's open in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you are God. We don't have to figure all this out You are taking care of every issue that concerns us. Now, Father, anoint my words to be the words that you want this congregation to hear. And thank you for this time that we have together. And God's people said, amen. Amen. If you open your Bible, Genesis 1-1, and Andy, you're right there in the front row, what are the first few words in Genesis 1-1? In the beginning. In the beginning. Now we know as we go through scripture that there are plenty of verses that talk about God was, uh, God was always there. He was always there. He was always omnipresent, all these kind of things. So it seems that there must be a secret here for the Bible to say in the beginning. Ancient Jewish wisdom says that that is our clue, that that was the start of time. Because God doesn't have time in heaven. He moves back and forth. Now, my definition of time management is God's way of keeping everything from happening at the same time. But from a Jewish perspective, God's time management is a process that he started with the world. And it's on a line that he's in charge of. And there's going to be an end. Praise God that we have Pastor Larry and the revelation that he has to where we can look at the Jewish holidays, the high special seasons, and realize that there is a plan. Now, I I don't know about you, but at this stage in my life, I can look back at my life and I can see the hand of God moving in a number of different things. Mm -hmm. But at the time, 
when I was over here going through it, I got to tell you, it was confusing. I am going to talk about the call that God has on your life this morning before we get into time management tips. We all have an assignment. Pastor Larry teaches us that. And usually around somewhere between 10, 11, 12, up to maybe 17, God wakens our spirit enough to know what that call is. Now, because we're well-educated here in America, and because things happen on time here in America, most of the time when we get that call, we feel like it's going to be immediate. We feel that doors are going to open. We feel that things are going to happen. The scholarships are going to come. The job opportunities, the training, the people are going to come around us. Well, remember that old sentence in the beginning of the Bible. In the beginning, there's time involved. Now, I share personal stories because I think it's a little bit easier to understand. And when I was in high school, my goal was to be a high school guidance counselor. I didn't have a good relationship with my guidance counselor. Um, I really didn't even know who she was. But I saw the people around me who were confused on decisions, had problems with family, finances, and I thought that would be a really good thing to do, to be a high school guidance counselor and walk alongside young men and women to help them make choices for life. Now, if you overlay what's required to be a high school counselor, that's a college degree, another degree, a practicum. I mean, all these different pieces have to be in place for you to be a high school counselor. Now, the call was on my life. I'm the one that put the restrictions on it, on what it was going to look like and how it was going to happen. I didn't get a degree in teaching, and I didn't have the energy or the oomph to continue a secondary education. So I kind of felt like I had missed out. But fortunately, don't you know that God surrounds us with love? And it's like, sweetheart, that was your pathway to what I called you to. The interesting thing is that looking back, I became a fifth and sixth grade ladies Sunday school teacher in our church. And for 17 years, I taught fifth and sixth grade ladies. You see, that was the manifestation of the call that was on my life when I was in high school. I was the one that mapped it out incorrectly. Now we can look at the biblical example of Abraham and Sarah. God gave them a promise. They were gonna have a child. But things didn't happen the way that they thought it should happen. So Sarah kinda got involved and said, hey, why don't you sleep with my handmaiden and that'll be the way that we get our child. I'm sure that's what God had in mind. After all, I'm too old. You're getting old. I'm kind of concerned about you anyway. Um, so maybe that's the best thing to do. But they birthed an Ishmael. And that was not God's plan. And it certainly has been causing us problems ever since. <laughs> so what we need to look at is that there's an example in the Bible of somebody that stepped ahead of God and created a mess. So if you have any way to talk to anybody about setting goals and the call of God on their life, help them understand that maybe that call is not going to be manifested the way that they thought it was. 
Now, God loved Ishmael. He made a lot of promises to him. Abraham loved him. Sarah wasn't too keen on him. She kind of felt like his sense of humor was a bit off color, and she didn't want something like that around her boy. She knew what her boy was called to because she knew that she was too old to have a child when she got pregnant. And she knew that Abraham was too old to father a child when she got pregnant. So she knew that this was God's lineage, God's plan. But nonetheless, she got ahead of God. In life, when we start looking at opportunities, we never know which one is going to be that final piece where everything falls into place. What we need to do is to keep on pushing, keep on looking, keep on keeping our spiritual eyes open and our spiritual ears open for an opportunity. I had never, ever considered becoming a pastor. That was never in my to-do list. I was in a good Baptist church, and women weren't pastors. I was also in a good Baptist church that if a woman was divorced, She was relocated to the nursery, changing diapers. She certainly couldn't teach anymore. So all of a sudden, my life choices, because honey's not my first husband, in the natural, I thought, well, here I am. I'm never going to continue teaching Sunday school. I'm not going to have any influence. I'll just change diapers until that first Sunday that I volunteered in the nursery. Andy, I got to tell you, the last diaper that I changed, I still remember that little girl. And I thought, this is not God's call on my life. Something else is going to take place here. When I was diagnosed with cancer, the Lord quickened my spirit to say, your healing is not going to come through medical processes. Your healing is going to come outside of the medical profession. That's not true for everyone. We don't say one path for all. (laughs) That's why you have to have a circumcised ear and keep your spirit clear and open to see where God's going to direct you. I can't take Andy's testimony and overlay that onto my life and think that's going to work. That's his story, his gift, his testimony. So we need to make sure that we're in touch with God and listening to which pathway we're supposed to take. When I got my healing from cancer, um, I was on a women's speaking circuit. Probably twice a month, I did women conferences, spoke in churches. That's how Pastor Tiz found me. (laughs) She asked me to come speak at her women's conference. We planted ourselves here because it's like, I don't know who these people are, but my gosh, they're well-trained, and they literally pulled the anointing out of me. And so I said to my husband, can we just go visit there one more time? (laughs) And we never left. There was a season when Pastor Larry was adding women to the pastoral staff. And he let me know that he wanted to ordain me. So number one, being raised a good Baptist girl, wow. A divorced woman being ordained. And then I was in Pastor Tiz's office the Sunday before we were actually ordained. And just a side note, Pastor Luke and I were ordained the same Sunday. So we celebrate that, that ordination every single year when it comes around. So I was in Pastor Tiz's office, and I was mentioning a couple of things about my, my background. And I happened to mention that Don was not my, my first husband. And Tiz's face kind of straightened up, and, and you know, she always has that perfect look on her face, so you never know exactly what she's thinking. And she goes, huh, does Larry know that? 
and I realized, oh, wow, okay, she didn't know that part of my background. We'd been doing a lot of ministry together, but she'd never had that piece. And I said, yes, Pastor Tiz, he said that's why he wanted to hire me. I have been married to an alcoholic. I know what that feels like. I have been married to an abuser. I know what that feels like. I don't look like someone who had that kind of a background. So I can link arms with a woman or with a man and say, okay, we can walk out of here because God has a plan. He has a way. He knows what steps need to be taken. How many of you remember Pastor Zed and Cheryl Redmond? Yes, okay. Pastor Cheryl, I don't think she ever sinned in her whole life. And they went to Bible college together. They got married the right way. They'd never, I don't think they'd even kissed before they got married. I mean, they were literally just squeaky clean. So Pastor Cheryl knows the Bible, and she's got an unction in her heart to walk alongside you. But to talk to a woman who's in an abusive relationship, she doesn't have any frame of reference. So that's how I got to New Beginnings. But looking back, my mother was not thrilled when I got a divorce. (laughs) She didn't realize that that was part of God using my foolish decisions to get me out of a bad situation and let me have a victory in a bad situation to lead me to where I am today. I always thought, yes, yes, amen, (laughs) praise God. I always thought that some of the side cul-de-sacs that I I had taken were the final destination, but they weren't. Because suddenly, here I am in Dallas, Texas. Here I am ministering to men and women. Here I am with my background, understanding, and I have the ability to walk with people and help them, which is the call that God had on my life when I was in high school, except my naivety put it into a high school counselor rather than what God had in mind. Now, in all honesty, if I had known what was ahead, I would have been scared and probably wouldn't have done anything. So God doesn't show us everything all at once. He lets us go one piece at a time through this mistake and be healed from it, from the next mistake and be healed from it, the next grace that he gives us, and we get healed from that. So that suddenly when we're talking to men and women, I can say, I understand. I know, what, I know what that feels like. Let me show you what God's word says. And walk them out. Now you say, what does all this have to do with setting goals? Well, I was a corporate America gal. I took every class that was available to me when I was in corporate America. And I loved time management. To me, it was just the most fun thing ever because you just put things on a list and you checked them off and you could see where, what you had accomplished and what you needed to accomplish. And for me, it was invigorating. I don't know how many of you know Honey real well, my husband, but for Honey, a to-do list is just the kiss of death. He feels like a to-do list is something that pins him in. He wants to have the flexibility to move through life and make decisions on what his feeling is in the, day, in the day or the night. Now, honey accomplishes just as much as I do. So there's not a right or a wrong. It's just different. So I'm going to be teaching today from both perspectives. For those of you who say, yeah, I used to have a to-do list. I used to write down my goals. I think I'll do that again for 2022. And it will be a familiar pathway for you. 
And then for the others of you who go, please do not make me write a list. (laughs) I'll give you some exercises that you can do to maybe help you have a pathway to have a little bit more success. I didn't realize how much this stuff really worked until uh, I was on a radio program being interviewed by a lady, and she had two of us uh, there, and it was all on time management. And she made some statement about um, having a goal for a long time, and she didn't identify the goal. She just said that she'd had it for a long time and it never manifested. So I looked at her and I said, you know, Sandy, a year from now, you'll be a year older. And if you just do one piece at a time, I bet you that goal could be accomplished. Well, sometimes we say things and we just kind of blurt them out there and then we go on with our life. But God plants those things in us because that spoke to her spirit. And she went, oh my gosh, a year from now, God's been telling me to write a book. And I haven't even started. But if I just do a little bit, divide it up. So a year later, I got a phone call from Sandy. And she said, there's a package in the mail to you. I was like, oh. I'm thinking candy, cookies. She said, when it comes, I want you to open up and read the dedication of the book. (laughs) So the package came. I opened it up. I looked. It's like, oh, my gosh, to Nancy Cole, who challenged me to do a little bit every day and reach my goal. And I thought, Lord, what a perfect example of our lives. We look at something, and it seems so huge. I don't know what issue you've got in your house. For me, right now, it's taking down Christmas decorations. But I don't do that all in one day. Now, when I was younger, I did, but not now. But I pick a room and just take everything that's in that room that has to do with Christmas and put it away. And I don't beat myself up that I haven't done the whole house. I divide it up, and I stay on path. Yeah. <laughs> we do that, don't we? We beat ourselves up. It's like I should have done it all in one day. No, that, that's Satan. Tell me to get out of your life. Divide things up and just do a little bit, and a year from now, you will have accomplished something. To set a goal, it needs to be written positive. Um, The easiest example is to lose weight, and I apologize because that just seems kind of fleshy, but get the pun, fleshy. (laughs) But you don't say, uh, I'm going to lose 10 pounds. You say, I'm going to weigh, and then you name the amount of weight that you're going to weigh. And that's a goal. It's positively stated. If you're comfortable with positive goals, then just make some. And don't worry about having them right. Just write some things down. If you're somebody that you know the positive goal doesn't motivate you, then behind that, you're going to have to write something of what happens if you don't lose weight. I'll give you an example. In 2022, I plan on weighing 120 pounds. Now, that's not a true statement, but I'm just using it for example. If I don't weigh 120 pounds, my health will be compromised. My knees and my feet will hurt. My back will continue to go out because of the excess weight I'm carrying. See, you put a number of negative reasons. Those are not your goals. Because your goal has to be positive. But you can write the negative consequences behind it in case you don't make it. That helps motivate a lot of people. 
it doesn't motivate me, but it does motivate honey. <laughs> there are areas that you need to write down goals. The, um, I have six pages of notes, but I don't want you to worry. We'll be out of here on time. Um, hang on, something. The areas are your um, spiritual life. And for that, since we're all believers, it can be as simple as, um, I'm going to read the Bible through again this year because I love the Word of God, and I know that the Word of God gets richer and deeper every year that I read it. See, that, that can be a goal. You need to have a goal for your family. You need to have a goal for education. You need to have a goal for finances. And depending upon what season you're in in life, that goal will be different. You need to have a goal for a career. Again, when we're young, we think of careers as something that we're going to have that is going to have a financial reward and we'll move up the corporate ladder. But our career is the call that God has on our life. <laughs> and we may have a J-O-B where we get paid, but the career is expressing what God's call is. We also need to have an area for health. And then what I call your rhythm of life. What is your rhythm of life? See, I'm a fast mover. Um, I make lists. I wake up easy. I get going really quick. Um, I have a routine when I wake up in the morning. I don't, don't even have to think. I hop out of bed. I check the dog and see where, where he is. I go in. I turn on the coffee. I see the puppy at the door ringing the bell that's hanging there to go out. I open the door and let him out. I make a cup of coffee for myself. I make a cup of coffee for honey. And I don't even have to really be awake to get all that done because I have a routine. I have a process that gets me started in the morning. Honey is the opposite. Honey can wake up and kind of grab one of the books that he's reading because he's constantly reading and spend maybe 20, half an hour in there reading before he gets out of bed. We have different rhythms. So it's important to know what is your rhythm you see, if we didn't understand that we're different, not wrong, not right, just different, Don would be trying to say, can't you relax? Do you have to wake up and hop out of bed? You're just always doing, doing, doing. You're just a machine. I mean, aren't these the things that we think? Or I could look at him and say, how can you just lay there like a lump? Come on, let's, let's seize the day. Let's get going. So we have to know our rhythm in order to put our goals in place. When you get ready to do something and it's on your list, there are some D's that I have down that if you're taking notes, you probably should take these down. Is this task something that you can delegate? Now, delegation for some people is a negative word. It means that you are not going to do your job. You're going to pass it off to somebody else. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about look around and see, is there someone better suited to do what's on your list than you? There are a lot of duties on my list that I need to accomplish here at New Beginnings. But one of those is travel. And my assistant, Yvonne, is much better suited to book travel than I am. Can I do it? Yes. Is it pretty? No. Can Yvonne do it? Yes. Does she have a rhythm that's natural to think of every detail? Yes. So I delegate. 
not because I'm not capable and not because I'm trying to get rid of it, but because she's much better at it. The next thing is delete it. Do you really have to do it? Is it something that you thought you ought to do, or is it something that really needs to be done? You see, I believe that God gives us all the time, every single day, to do everything he wants us to do. The problem is we add to that list. And as we add to the list, we wear ourselves out. So take a look at your to-do list and say, hmm, I maybe just want to delete it. The next thing is delay it. You see, a lot of times on my to-do list, it's like stop at the grocery store. Okay, now are we really out of everything on that list? No. Would it be better suited to do it another day? Yes. So I can delay my to-do list and make it work when I'm going to be in that area around the grocery store. And then the final one is just do it. (laughs) Take a look at that piece and say, yep, I'm just going to do it. So you've got delegate it, delete it, delay it, or do it. Another piece of, uh, uh, I guess I'd call it time tips in corporate, was handle each piece of paper only once. I had a boss, really one of my very favorite, but I really did not understand him at all. We would get notices every single morning of, of warnings. Now, I was a banker, and I was a vice president and a regional sales manager, so those warnings were very important to me. And I would read them and look at them and figure out where they might apply to the branches that I was overseeing. And I would walk into my executive vice president and hand him that warning. And he would look at me and say, "Uh, do you know what this is all about? I'd say, yes, sir, because I never wanted to not read it and not understand it. Yes, sir. He said, okay, good. And he'd open up his bottom drawer and drop the paper in and shut the door. It was like a dagger in my heart. It's like, what is he doing? It's like, oh, years later, as we were together for a long period of time, he explained, Nancy, if you understand it, why in the world would I bother reading it and learning it? If it comes up, I'm going to call you in. It's like, oh, yeah. And he said, and then that frees up my time to do the things that you can't do. Now, I balance my checkbook to the penny. I still balance my checkbook to the penny every month, more than once a month. I was a banker for crying out loud. It's in my blood. Honey does not balance his checkbook. I considered that a mortal sin until I had another boss who I discovered didn't balance his checkbook either. And it was like, Frank, how do you know how much money you have? And he said, well, I keep a buffer in there. And he said, but my time is too valuable to waste hunting for two pennies off. Huh. So it wasn't a mortal sin. It was just one of my peculiarities of wanting to find that penny. And as I looked at my to-do list for a day, it's like, okay, I do have time to balance my checkbook. I'm going to make time. And so that's something that I do. Ah, I check it off my list, but I no longer have a judgment against somebody else who does not balance their checkbook. They say, why are you sharing all these crazy things to help you understand You have a unique set of abilities inside of you. And Satan tries to tell you that you're missing the mark. 
Satan tries to tell you, you're not good at this particular task, so you need to focus on this. No. If God wanted you to do this task, he would have equipped you to do it. What we need to look at is what are we good at? What are our gifts? What are the things that make us happy? What are the things that we have success with? And then focus on that. The rest will take care of itself. This all started with our education system. I mean, we take tests in school for crying out loud, and your answer is either right or what? Yeah. Yeah. And if it's wrong, then we have to focus on that. We have to learn that. You know, in the Jewish culture, they don't name a child unless an angel has appeared and said, you should call his name Emmanuel. (laughs) Then they do. But they don't name a child until that child has been alive for a little bit, and they can kind of see what they're interested in. They can see whether or not they love the outdoors, or they love books, or they love to cook, or they love to garden. And the Jewish mom and the Jewish dad get together, and they look at what gifts that child has, and they help that child express the gifts. They don't say to them, you need to learn how to ride a horse. They say to him, you're very interested in gardening. Let's find some things that will live in this climate. And the education that supports that child is around whatever gift they have. Unfortunately, in America, our child raising is usually trying to figure out how to help them learn what they don't do so well. The best gift an auntie or a nana or a papa can do is celebrate the uniqueness of that child. Let them know that's a gift from God, that it's really special and unique. My daughter growing up did not keep a real clean room, much to Don's dissatisfaction. Notice I changed his name from Honey to Don. You can kind of tell, yeah. Um, And I tried to get Don to understand, I didn't keep a clean room growing up. It wasn't until I got married and had my own house that all of a sudden I became a neatnik. And I knew that Kristen, once she got out on her own, would keep a clean house. And she did. But I didn't bug her all the time. Make your bed. Pick up your clothes. I simply shut the door. Now, my mother was not thrilled with that because she had never been thrilled with the fact that I didn't keep my room clean. But I understood it was more important to foster and, and support those things that Kristen was very good at rather than forcing her into something that was really not her gift. I knew God would eventually take care of it. If you're at an age where you're looking to change a career path, then check out if you can become an intern with no pay in an industry that you want to learn. You can walk alongside someone and not not be paid, and not everybody will do this, but there are some that will and learn a different career path. Since retirement is not a Jewish concept, then we need to continue retooling ourselves, refining. I live with my cell phone. I don't always understand it, but I have people around me who show me what to do, and sometimes when I look at it and it's like, ah, Well, I don't know how to do this. They just grab my phone, and in two seconds, with a couple of thumb moves, they've got it taken care of. But I am committed to learning technology. 
I am not going to be left behind. I'm going to make sure that I can be relevant and be involved with the younger people that I manage in order for me not to become a relic. I'm not going to retire, so I need to stay current. Don't put goals on your list that you know you really can't achieve. I use the example of being a ballet dancer. You see, I really did want to dance when I was in high school. I wanted to dance, and I wanted to, to, to be like you know, Ginger Rogers and all those movies that I watch, you know, and they're the big skirts and things flowing through. But um, I was a clumsy child. Now, my mother did take me to, and learn uh, tap dancing because that was something that I could do and I didn't fall over. But the ballet, not so much. In fact, a side note, we do have time. Um, the church that I grew up in, a wonderful Baptist church, there was a family, uh, four children, and um, the parents were killed, and so the church was each going to adopt one of these children. And uh, there was a little girl, her name was Deidre, and so my folks went to, to meet Deidre, and I was excited to have a sister because I was an only child. And my mother tells the story that Deidre walked in, and she was petite, had big brown eyes, lots of thick, curly brown hair, and was just as sweet as she could be. And Mom tells the story that she looked over at me, thin hair, kind of clumsy, <laughs> and thought, these two girls are the same age. I can't do that to Nancy. I can't bring this darling little girl into our home. <laughs> now, Deidre and I didn't know that until years later, but she was beautiful. Her whole life she was beautiful. I kind of learned how to put makeup on, and that kind of helped me along in the process. But Deidre had gifts. She had a uniqueness to her. And the family that she was adopted into fostered and helped her with those uniquenesses. I don't think she would have gotten that same upbringing in my home. I mean, my folks were wonderful, but they had a different rhythm in life. Know your rhythm. Know what you need and what you don't need. If all of a sudden you decide you want to be a ballet dancer and realize that that's probably not going to happen, then look for other ways to express that passion. You could become a patron of the arts and support ballet. Or you could be the auntie or the nana who takes the grandchildren to ballet lessons. You see, the things that God puts inside of us, it doesn't mean that we have to do all of them. It means that be open to look and say, how can I express this in my life? Do you realize that when we walk into a room, it either energizes us or depletes our energy? Everybody in the room is saying yes. And do you realize that sometimes when you have something on your to-do list that you haven't done, when you walk into that room, it depletes your energy? Let me give it a different way. Energy just is. And it's how we manage it on whether or not we get things done or enjoy our day. I can prove that. If all of a sudden this afternoon Don says, hey, we really haven't gone out and uh, looked at the Christmas lights, so how about we drive over to North Park and just kind of walk through and look at all the Christmas lights in the stores? Shopping. Yes. I am energized. But what if Honey says, Nancy, I know you're going to want to put away the Christmas decorations, so why don't this afternoon we organize the garage? Ugh. I'm depleted 
of energy. So take a look around your world and say, what energizes me? What is it that I can add to my day? See, sometimes I get so busy, and I, I confess I'm kind of a stress junkie. I, I've learned to manage that because it's not good for your health. But I get so busy that I don't stop to enjoy what's going on. And so God has put me in a home where when I look out my back, back, backyard window, there are all these trees. It's a um, non-building, and I don't know what you call it here in Texas. Uh, in, in Oregon, it would be an ur- urban growth boundary where you can't build anything. So that's always going to be natural. And when I look out there, it kind of grounds me. I see the leaves that come in the springtime and how they start budding on the tree. I see the squirrel nests, and I see how the squirrels jump from tree to tree to tree. I I see how the branches lose all their leaves and kind of become this dark black pattern against the blue sky. That's my scapegoat, and it's God's reminder. This is my earth. I want you to enjoy it. I'm giving you this window so that you can let go of your to-do list and you can enjoy nature because I don't like to sweat, and I don't do much in the way of exercise, so I'm not the kind that's going to go out on a very long walk through God's nature. Pastor Larry loves to climb unusual mountains into territory where no one's been. Uh, Not me. So God gave me a picture that I can kind of step into uh, and exhale. Know your rhythm. Know what you can overuse and what you need to do in order to achieve your goal. There was a study done of the Harvard Business School, and this study went over 50 years with their graduates. And much to their shock, 80% of those highly educated, well-trained, well-connected, and well-healed, 80% of them did not reach their goals. Do you know why? They were not written down. What does God's word say? Write the vision. Make it plain. We always assume that's something that Pastor Larry and Tiz will write. The vision of the house. What we're going to do for Israel. No. It's your vision. The vision that God has for you. Write the goals down. Make them plain. And then review them. It's not magic and it's not witchcraft. But if every single day, if you look at your goals... God will give you opportunities that you can kind of wiggle. You don't have to run. You can wiggle. You can lean, for crying out loud, to get to a goal. But God will give you opportunities to line you up to reach that goal. But we need to know what to be looking for. So write some goals. How many? I don't know. For some of you, five. For others of you, 20. That's up to you and your rhythm for life. All I know is that I don't want to be one of that 80% that never reached a goal because I never wrote it down. All you have to do is add one thing a day, one small thing to reach your goal. Change one habit. Do one thing. Sandy just wrote half a chapter every month. That's not much. But by the end of the year, she had her book. You also need to track your results. Now, I got to say, Texas is one state that loves their football. But one of the reasons they love their football is that we keep score. And when the clock is running down, 
and we've got a one last Hail Mary pass to throw. Everybody is on the edge of their seat, and it's exciting. Then why would we not track our goals? Why would we not cross something off our list and say, thank you, Lord, you helped me to get that goal. Thank you. Keep score. Make decisions that are in line with your success statement. Now, I have a success statement. I wrote this, oh my gosh, 40, yeah, almost 40 years ago. And I wrote it when I went to a business training that was very intense. And so I have a lot of time and energy in this statement. But I'm going to read it to you so you kind of get an idea of what a success statement is and then how you can use that as you move through life to make decisions. Success to me is being connected to God and living in love and grace, a committed marriage with Dawn, and having a good working relationship with my family. Now, for some of you, that that statement, a good working relationship with my family, seems a bit cold. Remember, I got an ex-husband. So, sweet pea, I need to make sure that I have a good working relationship with an ex-husband because he fathered my daughter. So don't you know your statement is going to be very, very unique to you. Don't let someone else rain on it. Walking with God his way. And don't you know that's a a, a huge sentence there, those few words. We walk with God and we ask him to bless what we want to do. (gasps) Can I just tell you, it's much easier to walk his way. (laughs) While bringing wisdom to all around me leaving people and places better than I found them, and being connected with people, working with others who I can nurture and support, who nurture and support me in return. Living in an environment of mutual respect and continuous learning. Creating a home that reflects my own unique style of elegance and experiencing joy and health while aging gracefully. Now, that last part, wasn't in my success statement 30 years ago. (laughs) But as I aged, it's like, i got to put something in there about aging gracefully. I I need to make sure that I am taking care of myself so that I'm aging gracefully. I need to understand what my body needs and what my body doesn't need so that I can have energy and health. I don't want to be sickly to my 120. I want to be functioning. Make a list of things. Um, We used to call it the hot 100. Now I'm going to call it the godly 100. If 100 is too many, make it 50. If 50 is too many, make it 20. Um, Hot 100 is a list of things that you would like to do or have. Hot 100, let's see, I haven't had one for a number of years. Um, But it would be like, um, I would like a landscaper to come in and take care of the backyard. I would like Kristen to come and visit. I would like to take a vacation to Dawn in someplace warm. I would like to make sure that the backyard is always clean and presentable since I have so many windows that look outside. Things that you want. I would like a new pair of black boots. That was on my list one time. You just put everything down that God brings to your memory that you want. They can be what some might consider selfish or they can be very generous. But then you go through and read them. And my recommendation is that you read them at least once a week because you'll be absolutely shocked at how God will bring some of those things into your life. Get a vision and make it plain. Write the vision so that God can show you. Because some of us have lived our lives thinking, 
you know, everybody here has spaghetti on their plate, but I don't have a meatball. Never realizing that God has put two meatballs under the spaghetti in our place. We go for the negative rather than the positive. So take a look at the things that you want and then cross them off your list and then replace them so that you always have a working list of things that you would like to do, things that you would like to have. That's called a hot 100. For your success statement, I do recommend that you make it positive. And depending upon what season of life you're in, you can check with me and I can help you maybe write a success statement. But put something down so that you know what success is. If you have everything tied to a financial goal, given current situations, you may not feel successful. But if you have things tied to relationships and things that you can control, then whether or not COVID is around or something else, you can still have a successful life. As we recap, Don't create an Ishmael. I don't care how old you are, what you think you've missed out on. Remember God's example of Abraham and Sarah. Don't get ahead of God. Number one. Number two, keep your spiritual eyes and ears open for those opportunities for you to experience those things that are on your to-do list. To grow. Don't see a mistake as a disqualification. See one of your creative cul-de-sacs, that's what I choose to call them rather than mistakes, one of your creative cul-de-sacs as a learning experience, something that God will bring you through, that he will give you victory over, so that when you look back over your life, you've got monuments in your memory of how God brought you through, how he protected you, how he healed you, how he brought you, for crying out loud, to be a pastor on church in Dallas, Texas, from changing diapers. Praise God. 2022 is going to be our best year yet. All of us are going to have success. But my challenge to you is to put some of these things in practice so that in 2022 you can look back and go, my gosh, what a great year we had, Lord. Thank you. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you're a spiritual God, but you're also a physical God in that you understand us. You realize that we have frailties and and dreams and ideas that are just kind of out of shape. But, Lord, you're always there to put our feet back on solid ground. Thank you that everyone in this room today, Lord, is going to start making a list. Number one, things that they want to have or do. Number two, goals that they want to accomplish in 2022. And thank you, Father, that you are dispatching angels to guide them, protect them, open doors for them that no man could open, and close doors that no man could close. Thank you in advance for the miracles that are going to come to this group of people. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you.